So it's reflective, uh, recollecting here and now. This, uh, this is, you know, this is a integrate this practice into the daily life. You know, this is a very useful uh, way of practicing, remembering, recollecting, bringing back, you know, here and now, Pachubanatama, the reality of now. So whatever you're doing, you know, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, sick or healthy, everything going well, everything falling apart, pressures from uh, others or sitting alone, full of doubt and anxiety about your future, or whatever is happening, it's always now, the time is now, now is the reality. So then the, <clears throat> these ways of, of reflecting on now is the body sitting, the four postures, the breath, the four foundations of mindfulness, the feeling, the the gayanupasana, the the body, the the feeling made in jitta and dhamma, state of mind, and then the fourth foundation of mindfulness, dhamma. This is this is you know non-personal dhamma. When when you're reflecting dhamma, then you're not you know not no longer. You're using the Four Noble Truths, uh, the Paticca uh, Samuppada, dependent origination, using these these conventional Dhamma terms rather than interpreting everything from the conventional, personal, cultural feelings, attitudes, emotions that that arise in the present. It's like this. Tattada, the way it is. All conditions are impermanent. <coughs> then uh, reflecting on the way it is, these, uh, <clears throat> you know, this uh, impermanence of conditioned phenomena is, is what we, like in Vipassana, First, uh, when we practice vipassana, this is all conditions are impermanent. Anicca, the three characteristics: anicca, dukkha, anatta. But what this does is, uh, you know, this emphasis on all conditions are impermanent is to is not to grasp that idea. You know, I see so many people, you know, quoting this: all conditions are impermanent. But what they're doing is grasping uh, the statement. You know, so they, they tend to uh, let that grasping of that teaching, they, without understanding what they're doing, uh, that they're actually, actually grasping the teaching. And so with mindfulness, we, you know, we can see that. We begin to be aware of uh, our grasping of Pali words, Pali teachings, Dhamma teachings, suttas, Abhidhamma, and all the rest. You know, how we, we grasp these ideas. And then it's easy to fool ourselves and project them onto things. Well, the Buddha said all conditions are impermanent. And so we tend to project the idea of impermanence onto everything. We, we, we make it into a doctrinal position rather than uh, an expedient means for reflection. So we are very clever creatures, you know. We've got we can figure everything out quite easily. But what we find most difficult is mindfulness. You know, the ultimate simplicity of awareness. It's not complicated. It's not compounded. 
but it's, it's simple. That, and where, you know, it's the personality is not simple. Is your personality simple? Usually quite neurotic and complicated. Me and what I think and how I look and my position in the society and <clears throat> what I like and don't like and, and, and you know, the personal tendencies, uh, conditioned attitudes through cultural conditioning, through principles. We can, we can see ourselves as someone with very high principles and high standards. You know, and, and I define ourselves as somebody who, who operates uh, from, we, you know, something very high, ideals, principles, high standards, morality. And because these are all quite good things and we, you know, we don't see what we're doing, we're merely operating from the assumptions, the attachment, the sense of myself as, as adhering to principles, high standards and moral precepts. Or the other way, we know, we know, we just say, relax and just enjoy life. Life is a banquet. Just enjoy, you know, the pleasure of the senses. You're going to die anyway, so just enjoy everything. And that's, that's another way of experiencing, a way of perceiving experience in oneself. But the very grasping of any, whether it's a kind of rigid principles, high standards and moral judgments, or the liberal hedonistic, uh, free-loving attitudes, uh, the grasping of those, the blind grasping of conditioned phenomena is like this. And that's reflective, you know, observing dhanha ubadana. And so in like second noble truth, kamadana, pavadana, vipavadana, and ubadana, attachment clinging, grasping out of ignorance. So always the avicca, ignorance of Dhamma is the cause of dukkha, of suffering. Ignorance, not, not even grasping is the cause. It's ignorance, avicca. Desire is not the cause of suffering. It's a vita, ignorance of Dhamma, not knowing reality, operating always from views, opinions, conditioned phenomena, unreflected, unacknowledged, merely operating from the momentum of the personal personality, sakaditi, the conventional reality, sila bhattabharamasa, from your own thoughts, views, opinions. Now, the, the ego is not the problem either, or it's a convention, cultural conditioning, or thinking, language. It's a vicha which blinds us. And so, like on this retreat, this this uh, emphasis on the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. If there was not the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, there'd be no escape from the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned. Now, the statement, there is ati bhikkhuwe, and then it starts ati bhikkhuwe, ajat dang, aputang, akadang, asankadang. There is. So, to me, this, this, the formal statement, the grammatical pattern of there is, is a statement of fact. 
This is a fact. This is not supposition or theory. You know, thing. Well, we believe there's, you know, a state called the unconditioned, unborn, uncreated. Uh, I think there is. Um, I can't, you know, I don't know quite know what it is. Uh, but the Buddha said there is a unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And so just by that, you know, trying to to figure out what that means. What are you doing? You're grasping the words, trying to figure out what the unborn is. So then, you, you know, as you observe this, desire to figure it out is like this, the grasping, not quite understanding what does it mean? What is the unborn, uncreated? Or just believing it because it's in the scriptures. You know, I believe there is, you know, a state of unborn, uncreated. The Buddha said so. This is, what's this? This is, uh, you know, this is where, you know, the observing of how the self will grasp Dhamma teachings, concepts, views. So then the, then if there is the unborn, this this uh, statement of fact of reality. So what can that be right now in each one of us sitting in this temple at this moment? Is it is it just some kind of mystical metaphysical concept or theory? Is there an escape from it from the born the created? What is it right now? Pachubanatamma sitting, standing, walking, lying down, breathing, thinking, feeling. So, uh, you know, the here and now then is, it's, it's always here and now. You know, whatever the conditions change, <clears throat> we come and go, come into the temple, go out of the temple, formal practice, ordinary daily life, working, resting, eating, sleeping, doing things, not doing things is like this. But then, this, you know, if there is the unborn, uncreated, then it's now, isn't it? It's not, you know, it's, it serves no purpose if it's just some kind of principle or theory. Or some remote, subtle state that, that, you know, is only through the most advanced meditators will they ever, you know, recognize it or realize it. All that is Sakyaditi Tilabhata Bharamasavitji Kecha. When we operate from my own feelings, reactions to the concepts, So then, <clears throat> there is an escape from the born, the created, the form, the suffering, the condition is like this. So like the body sitting here, how can I, how, what is the escape from this body here and now? So it's not, it's not a, like a, you know, slitting my throat or or suppressing the body, ignoring it, trying to, to you know, concentrate my mind so it goes into a, a, an absorbed state that where the body's forgotten or rejected. Is that it? Getting jhana so you can get into a higher level, uh, you know, of, of uh, absorption than, rather than just this coarse physical form? So how, what is the escape from the born? This body was born at this very moment. Now this is reflecting, you know, it's investigating. It's not trying to figure it out, it's observing. You know, so it's not, not like getting rid of or changing anything, but just operating from a different way, from awareness, 
obser observations, uh, sati sampatanya. So to escape the born, the physical body, for example, isn't rejecting it, denying it, but being the knower of it, rather than the owner, the person, the becoming the body, becoming the person that has a body. Isn't it? It's, it's just awareness of the body. It's like this. And whatever state the body's in, it's not, you know, it's not conditional. Whether the body's sitting, standing, walking, lying down, relaxed or tense, sickly, fevered, healthy, vigorous. Not a matter about the condition uh, that, that the body is in at this present moment, but the risk but it's different relationship to it, observing it, being the puto, knowing the, say, the gayanupasana, satipatthana, foundation, the body is like this. It's very simple, isn't it? That's, that's really ultimate simplicity. So the body belongs because it's here and now, isn't it? This physical form that's sitting here is like this. Now that's a different relationship than when I see my body from the Sakyaditi, Silapata uh, Baramasa, from my critical mind. It's very different, you know, see myself, my physical body from the personal, from the cultural, social, from the age, from the gender, from the size and so forth, then, then, it's, then I become somebody who has a body that, <clears throat> and then the, the problems and the vanity arises, the well, the reactions of a lifetime, 76 years of, of identifying with this form, is, you know, it's, it's just very complicated. You know, as you mature, as you get older, you know, children are quite simple at first, then they get more and more complicated because of the Sailapata of the Sakayaditi, Sailapata Baramasa, the three fetters. And then we get cathected, we get kind of fixed in our personal personalities, a sense of oneself, you know, is malleable up to a certain age, and then it kind of gets set, you know, fixed. Rigid sense of self-worth or lack of it or position. <clears throat> so that, that uh, and how do we escape this trap of the conditioning process is not through denying, annihilating, getting rid of, but observing. <clears throat> so this mindfulness is the way, you know, the gate to the deathless, the paruta de sangamantasa tawara. The gate to the deathless is open. So then I said, what is the gate to the deathless at this moment? Is it in India, under the Bodhi tree, or? <laughs> you know, that's Silabhata Baramasa, isn't it? Or, or the Amravati, the temple? And so you use similes like the gate, the door, and they, these are, <clears throat> you know, using words about then we, you know, at this moment, what is the only possible escape from just the proliferating habits of self, uh, assumptions, views, opinions, thoughts, emotions that 
are operating at this time. The body is sitting right now, breathing, inhaling, exhaling. A certain uh, mood or mental quality. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. This is operating, that's the way it is. But the difference lies in, the escape lies in non-attaching, recognizing, realizing the dukkha, the suffering that's caused through this blind attachment to conditioned phenomena. As we do it in the present. Uh, so when when one is suffering, it's because one is operating from attachment, from dana upadana. So it's neither repression, <coughs> annihilation. We're not trying to destroy, get rid of, judge, criticize, take sides, but. Then they, then this uh, Buddha, Buddha and Dhamma, refuge in Buddha is Satisampatanya itself. Awareness of the way it is, the, the con- all conditions, whatever the you know your body, men- your emotion, feeling is at this moment. There's knowing that in terms of Dhamma rather than in terms of ideas, views, opinions, personal preferences, prejudices, biases, whatever. So it's very simple. It's, it's, it's I say, ultimate simplicity, oneness. So there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And if there wasn't, then there'd be no escape. One's just a helpless victim of uh, conditioning. You know, just, you know, this is the package you get. You're born like this. You know, why, why is it that some people are born with, with beautiful body and, and in privileged positions with wonderful parents and with high status, in good intelligence, loved, cultured, uh, educated, happy, loving conditions, say the, the very best of the human state. They, that's one extreme. Then there's some that are born totally disadvantaged, disabled, ugly, diseased, terrible parents that are monstrous, poverty-stricken. <laughs> not fair, is it? It's just not fair. How do you explain, you know, uh, this this strange experience of conditioned phenomena when some get the best, some get the worst? They're just pointing to the extremity. The very best you can th- think of is, you know, if you're really lucky, good fortune, you know, Good karma is be born in, you know, beautiful, healthy, loving, warm situations. Not poverty stricken, good food, devoted, loving mother, dependable, wise father, <coughs> good neighbors, good teachers perfect society, full of fairness, justice, equality, freedom. And so that's, that's the best. The worst is the other, hell. It's a sick and diseased, unloved, orphaned, in a tyrannical system where you're powerless, slave to, to monstrous uh, tyrants. And we know this is what drama is all about, you know. You, you just, you know, about 
crime and murder and horror and war. Or on the other happier level, romance, love affairs and, and uh, comedies, humor, happy, happy. And then the other is, you know, like horror movies where terribly deformed monstrous creatures threaten you constantly. So the, the conditioned realm is like that. It's extreme, you know, so you've got, they point into the extremes, happiness and suffering, but most of life is neither one or the other. Most of us, you know, aren't, didn't have the best, the top of the line, the best quality conditions or the worst. Now this, you know, in terms of Wichikicha or doubt, the third fetter, doubt is uh, being attached to thinking to this dualism from the, you know, ranging from the top to the bottom, heaven, hell, the best to the worst. That we create that through uh, through this through thinking, don't we? We can imagine the very best, the top of the line. We can create ideals of the very best, or we can imagine the worst, the most unrelenting, torturous misery. The Avicii hell, in Buddhist terms, the Avicii hell is the is the lowest, most miserable, unmitigated misery and pain forevermore. I can't make anything worse than that, can you? You know, relentless, unmitigated pain, misery, loss, grief, forever. I mean, that's. It's taking it to the the most extreme, to the the perception of heaven, eternal happiness, beauty, love, refinement, bliss, where we're all living in a state of just unmitigated love forevermore, happy, beautiful, youthful, healthy, forever. And ever, and ever. <laughs> and then the other, misery, unmitigated torture and pain forever. Ever and ever. <laughs> so the emotions, you know, go from, from this kind of blissful state to this uh, anguished, fear-ridden, horrible dread. That, which is aware of this, you know, just by thinking in this way, you know, just by observing how, you know, at this very moment I can create heaven or hell in my mind. You know, I'm quite capable right now sitting, going into blissful state of, you know, just creating all the most beautiful thoughts and lovely images and full of love and beauty and light and goodness. Or I can create a hell realm in my mind, just at will. And then the awareness of that, awareness of how, you know, this, this ability I have to create heaven or hell in the present moment. Just through, you know, my through creating, through the born, the created, the form, the condition. <clears throat> so I can, you know, I can make myself happy or miserable. That's the born, the created, the form, the condition. Just on the mental level. And the observing of that, you know, so the awareness of thinking, of creating, of creating the best or the worst is like this. 
This is sati sampajanya, sati panya, discerning. Sati allows us, is the, is the gate, the door, the opening, the escape hatch to the deathless. So that's why, you know, the, the wichikicha, the third fetter, really, doubt, and, and, you know, if one is just operating from from the thinking, from ideals, from concepts, from the self, from attachment to conventions, then there's the result will always be uncertainty, insecurity. And personally, you know, egotistically, we don't, we don't want to feel uncertain, insecure. Our personalities are formed, you know, out of the desire for definition, security. I know who I am, where I belong. I know my position. I know I have self-respect and I, you know, I, I know exactly where I fit in. But then, how many of you really feel that, you know, and can sustain that illusion of I know who I am and where I belong and where I fit in? Especially at a time like this where, you know, all the conventions are up for grabs. You know, trying to control, keep England for the English, trying to keep it English and all these foreigners coming in, all their influences, all these aliens, all these Europeans that aren't English. (laughs) And, you know, my security depends on this on this uh, cultural attitude of being really English and then feeling threatened by foreigners. That's the way it is now. You can't sustain, you know, no matter how much you want to make rules about immigration and stop foreigners from coming in, this is, this is what's happening. There's always this movement, migration of human population. Even the English don't belong here, really. They came over from Germany. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, trying to control it on that level, we can't. Trying to hold on to the past or, or the, you know, the ideals of, of, that we hold in, in terms of our cultural identities. That's not the way things move. It's all up for grabs now. Intermarriage, isn't it? Now, when I was young, you know, when I was in the 50s, when I was a youth, you know, like I, my first, when I fell in love when I was 18 years old, for the first time, you know, one of these total besotted feelings towards a Japanese girl. In 1952. And that was at a time where, you know, there was the interracial marriage was really despised from my social background, you know. You're supposed to marry some somebody from your own racial background and religious background. My mother wanted me to marry a nice Anglo-Saxon High Church Episcopalian girl. <laughs> That's the best, you know. We were High Church, Anglo-Catholic. We identified with Anglo-Saxon background. Middle class. And so these were the identities, of the cultural identities. So then it was very distressing for my parents when I fell in love with a Japanese girl. She didn't fit into those. <laughs> that was, and so, you know, they weren't stupid, my parents, so they, they, you know, they weren't, they could, you know, you could discuss it, and they were quite open and good-hearted parents, really, but just the distress of that time. Now that's quite common, isn't it? Intermarriage. 
because that's the way things move and change. This is this is the movement of you know you can't hold it to uh, the ideals of a cultural purity or racial purity or uh, cultural superiority. You know that those are just illusions that we create out of ignorance. They have no, they're empty phenomena. Racial purity is, is an illusion, there's nothing to it. Or being purely English without a taint of any alien influence, that's an illusion. Or like in Cambodia with Pol Pot trying to destroy all the foreign influences, you know, Anybody that wore glasses, spectacles, or could speak French or English was murdered just to get rid of what they thought were alien, foreign, unwanted influences. This is, these atrocities are done through ignorance. Thinking that there's some form of purity in any condition. Conditions, their very nature is impure. <clears throat> you know, so it's, you know, whatever the condition is. Heaven is impure because the very best is, is you know, it's an illusion. It has no essence, no substance. As well as hell. Now, then the, the Buddha, this, Satisampatanya pointing, observing change rather than trying to change things the way one wants. Now this is the only way we can uh, escape the born, the created, the form, the condition. This is the only escape hatch in this form that we're in, the human form. So then bringing it back to the, you know, here and now, the escape from the body and then uh, is not ignoring or judging or you know getting out it's not out of the body experience I'm not kind of outside my body you know like some kind of higher state where I'm floating outside it but it's observing the body is like this So these four postures, uh, uh, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, these are, these are suggestions. It's not about perfect sitting, perfect way of walking or standing or lying down. It's, these are just the movements that any human being uses throughout the day and night. Just ordinary, you're sitting, standing, walking, lying down, breathing. So that's changing from somebody from being the body to being the knower of the body. The body then is in consciousness rather than consciousness in the body. The personality always makes it seem like consciousness is inside the body. Or is the body in the consciousness? How could we be conscious? Because consciousness is operating now. It's not Consciousness is not personal. Vijnana. It's not, it's not a personal, it has no personal quality to it. It has no boundary. <clears throat> you know, so you have the immeasurable space in consciousness. So our relationship to the, to the boundaries, the form, the born, the created, is informing consciousness through wisdom, through discernment. And so the, the, at this moment, just observing the body is like this. So it's not becoming the body, isn't it? It's just a, a, a change from identity, clinging, operating through habit to observing, witnessing, bhuto, the knowing of the bodies like this in the here and now. 
weight and our feeling is like this. Mental formations are like this. So because there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, there is the escape from the born, the created, the form, the condition. <clears throat> and that's Pachubanatama, it's not practicing now to escape the born, the created, the formed, and conditioned in the future. That, that is an illusion again. That's a thought, that's an idea that eventually I will escape it, or the assumption. So that's where, like this, mindfulness is is the you know is the is the gate is the door the escape hatch through, and mindfulness is is not about personal abilities. It's just an attitude, a kind of letting go. Attentiveness in the present. In whatever state the conditions might be in. So that that's like awakened, isn't it? Puto tamo sanko, Buddha dhamma sangha. So we take refuge in sangha. Now sangha brings it down to practice, isn't it? Supatipano, ujupatipano, yaya patipano, samiji patipano. It's not personal. It's not a personal. You know, like we can think of Bhikkhu Sangha, Amravati Sangha, and then it becomes defined to a particular convention. But we're not taking refuge in in uh, Bhikkhu Sangha, but in Sankhang Sarnangachami, practicing in the right way. So it's not personal anymore. When When you think you're practicing in the right way, that's personal, isn't it? Or you think you're not really supatipano yet? How do you see yourself? Do you? I'm. I think I'm a supatipano. I'm. I practice in the right. I don't think I practice in the right. Well, that's doubt, isn't it? Vichikicha, the sense of a self. So recognize that the Buddha Dhamma Sangha are not personal. You can't claim them, uh, and 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 grasping the idea. Grasping the concepts can be deluding too. Even though they're very good, if you're going to grasp things, grasp Buddha Dhamma Sangha, but, but it's still, that's not supatipano. It's not puto tamo sankho. It's me, uh, you know, very much uh, approving, attaching to very good teachings. I like Pali Buddhism, I like the suttas, you know, they're good teachings on a personal level, you know, I like them, that's why I became Buddhist, because I like it. So there's a, you know, not to deny that, but that still is not liberation from suffering to grasp a conventional form, no matter how good it is. So then this Buddha Dhamma Sangha is, is much more profound than just, you know, chanting Pali and ceremonies that we that we have, but it's it's a, it's a, it's a refuge, you know, there's no longer this division, this divisiveness of me and mine, of, of uh, views and opinions about Buddha Dhamma Sangha, of, of uh, you know, of the trying to define them or figure out where you are, whether you're really a Buddhist or not a Buddhist, or you're really practicing in the right way or not practicing in the right way, or you know whether you, you've conquered your ego or not. Where, how, how advanced you are in practice or not, whether you're a stream enterer or not, that's all on the level of wichikecha, isn't it? Thinking, 
the, the sila but the the personality view, the conventional grasping the conventions and the thinking process only lead to never being quite certain, insecure with tikita. And so as long as that dominates consciousness, there's no way that one sees the path. You see, there's no path knowledge in this sense of stream entry. Sotapanna is like real insight into the path of liberation, which is non-personal. It's not conventional. It's not a, you know, something that that we see in just the conventional terms that we use in in Pali Buddhism. It's this. It's reality. It's knowing from what they say a gut level, from jnana dasana, from insight knowing, not from theoretical intellectual knowledge. And for that, then, then you know, for, to have that clarity is uh, is necessary to really observe the fetters. You can't just get rid of the fetters and and you know, it's not suppressing them or not trying to to attain, but it's through this kind of investigation that path knowledge that that one recognizes the path. So so you know this this retreat or here at Amravati the whole you know the my whole uh, intention in my life here in the UK has been to keep pointing at this. You know, not to, it's not about establishing monasteries and spreading Buddhism. I've never had that intention to, you know, to, as a Buddhist missionary or, you know, be trying to become uh, you know, some teacher, meditation teacher or whatever that, that uh, one could easily become in, in this situation. And establishing the, the Siladhara order is merely expedient means to, to give the, those women interested in alms mendicancy chants to be supported on alms. Not to, it's not meant to be a personal identity or, or to, to be more than what it is. It's merely an expedient means for cultivating awareness. It's meant to be a help, not a hindrance. Same with bhikkhus and Samaneras, Anagarikas, male and female. The point isn't about isn't about the uh, you know trying to reestablish, rebuild Theravada Buddhism in a perfect form in Europe, but to just use what we can for this one-pointed uh, clarity of seeing from the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. There is an escape. Now, when one attaches to the form, then one attaches to being a, being a bhikkhu or a thiladhara or a novice or whatever, then we suffer from it. You know, there's no... There's no escape from suffering in becoming a bhikkhu, bhikkhuni, samanera, siladhara, or anything. There's no, there's no, that's not the escape hatch, is, is the convention. It's merely an expedient means. And so you contemplate what is, 
you know, like this uh, Amravati, what it's, uh, you know, it is established on alms. It's a, uh, this was, this temple was built on, on alms. It was a, uh, you know, a business that promoted it. Uh, every day our life is, is, uh, we, you know, we're, we're encouraged to practice for liberation because of the alms food, the shelter, the robes, the medicine. This is our, you know, the, we have enough. It's good enough the way it is. You know, it's, you don't need the best or to, to, you know, to try, the, to reestablish something from the past, but to use what is here and now. The what what we have here and now. So, say what what is it that we have here and now? The conventional form is like this, and so you know the maybe it's not exactly the convention you want, but that's the point. <laughs> it's not. A, getting what we want, but observing, using it uh, as a form, not for attachment, but for reflection. So it's a moral form. It's about restraint, boundaries, behavior, etiquette, you know. So you have, you know, we aren't just following our own particular impulses or cultural attitudes, you know. You've got this international community. So if we reach following our own cultural biases and personal opinions, we couldn't live together whatsoever. But because of the of the form, the greed, agreement to live within this restrained form, this conventional form, then it is. A, it's for, not for identity, but for it's a skillful means for awareness, observing how one's personal position, how one reacts to it, how one does attach to the convention, makes it very personal. The relationships in the Sangha become very personal, very fraught. And is this, uh, is this what we're here for, to, to work out our personal relationships or to reflect on them, to see how interaction in this way brings up these feelings, you know, whatever they might be, love or hate, fear, jealousy, resentment. Then our refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha is, you know, it's the same refuge we all have, isn't it? Not, not a kind of bhikkhu refuge, siladhar refuge, as if, as if it were different. Lay people's refuge is not quite as good as bhikkhu refuge. That, that's just, that's absurdity, isn't it? That's ridiculous, that's taking it to absurdity. But say Buddha Dhamma Sangha, same refuge, same goal, and then we use the conventions that we've we've chosen. So we've chosen this convention. This is a tradition, and then to, but not to attach to it, but to use it for what liberation. There is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Pachubana Dhamma. Is there a here and now? You know? <laughs> is this just a here? Or is the word here and now just, you know, it's not making anything out of it. It's just suddenly we're, we're not thinking about the future or the past, but recognizing right now. This is all, this is where experience is. Happiness, suffering, success, failure, you know, all our habits and memories arise in the present. You know, so they come and go, always in the here and now. There's only, this is, this is reality, here and now. Not the conditions that are here now, because they're changing. So that 
reference, that recognition, mindfulness, satisampajan, discerning here and now, consciousness here and now, the body, the feelings, the mental state, the Dhamma. Then, uh, then there's uh, silence, stillness, here and now. So then in, develop this through the body here and now is like this. And the stillness, the sound of silence, here and now, the body's still here. Sound of silence doesn't make the body disappear. But it gives me perspective. You know, if I'm thinking about, oh, my body, you know, I don't, you know, it feels not so good this morning, and and uh, uh, grumbling about maybe your physical state in the present, or sound of silence doesn't mean the discomfort that's present as it goes, but the relationship to it is the knower rather than the owner of the physical discomfort. It's just a shift from from the grasping to non-grasping. And then this is a discerning, you know, this is discernment, this is satipanya, you discern grasping and non-grasping. Grasping is like this. Now when I grasp this, I get caught up in physical, strong physical sensations. Then I become restless and, and impatient and wanting to, to change posture and, or not, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want these discom- uncomfortable feelings. I get, um, you know, obsessed with the, just reacting to the physical discomfort that might exist in the present. Or awareness of the physical discomfort of the body here and now is like this. And that's the shift, the discerning, you know, from becoming to, to knowing Dhamma. Well, the same applies to emotions or thoughts or views, you know, intellectual perceptions, intellectual habits or emotional tendencies. The vanity, the self-view, the, the cultural attitudes, assumptions, ideas. It all, all conditions, and then the relationship to the condition is knowing rather than becoming or trying to sort them out or you know, operate from uh, the divisiveness of of uh, trying to get rid of what we don't like and hold on to what we like. Now this is, you know, from this opportunity, like Lung Po Cha, you know, he had this very clear teaching, which, you know, we're all benefiting from. And I mean, it is, uh, it's Theravada, it's not, it's not like a, you know, he's a kind of, you know, special advanced Theravada or trying to make anything out of it. You know, trying to, to think, uh, you know, put it on a higher level or make it into a cult. But it is, you know, it's a, it's a skillful use of this convention that, that we're, that, that I've learned in Thailand, you know, I, Living and and <clears throat> training with him gave me an opportunity to to learn how to use it. And I'm not disappointed, you know. It's been, you know, I feel incredibly grateful uh, because you know it has it, it's a a very clear, very accurate convention 
if you use it. I mean, if you just use it, to, you know, out of ignorance, then it, you can harm yourself with it. And you can make a mess of Theravada Buddhism if you're just, you know, grasping it and then operating from your own interpretations, views, and opinions from it. It's, uh, you know, so it can be another form of division, another form of misery. But it's not due to the, the convention, it's just a, ignorance is the cause, you know, a misuse of it, using it uh, foolishly or un, not, not practicing not using it what it was what it's meant for